Welcome to the 32nd edition of the International Documentary Film Festival Amsterdam. My name is Dana Linsen and I'll be talking to Kivo Rojarajosa about his film Europa, based on a true story that is selected for the feature-length competition of ITFA 2019. Kivo, welcome. Um, let's, let's do a little deconstructing of the situation we're in. We're, we're recording a podcast for, for ITFA and it seems like we're having a completely um, um, laid-back, natural uh, conversation. But of course, we both know that we're surrounded by cameras and lamps, so we're in a setup. And in a way, your film is also a, a deconstruction um, of a film, I think, because you're making a film about the making of a film that is called A Tree Has Fallen. Can you, can you start by talking a little bit how this sort of layering film about a film in a film came into being? Well, I, I wanted to make a film called A Tree Has Fallen, um, a classic drama. And um, and I wrote the film. I raised some money for for the film. Did all that I had to do to make the film, and uh, and then I shot it, and then I had the first cut, and then um, I quite liked it, but it felt incomplete. I felt that there was something lacking to make the film. It felt like I was holding something mm -hmm. uh, formally and uh, and thematically, and uh, um, and and I just. Uh, Went around trying to uh, like just breathe and let the film rest for a while, uh, but in the meantime, Brexit had happened, and I'd seen a complete, um, like a complete, uh, like change in uh, the discourse of uh, in the news editors. The uh, protests uh, had like gone a notch up in tension. And then I felt that the context uh, that um, that was lacking and and uh, a tree has fallen was suddenly there for me to uh, um, to document so that it could come and support the um, the drama. So I went out and then uh, and then start and and decided to uh, free myself from uh, the uh, the constraints of the of the drama and just yeah and and the the result is a. Uh, is that kind of a, um, like not so complex structure, but yeah, but kind of very free structure. It, yeah, it opens the film up, I guess, to to many things that are happening outside of the frame yeah. uh, while uh, while shooting a film. Of course, I was also refer referring to the setup we're having here now with the free cameras, because mm. one of the first things you say in the film or you would address in the film is actually kind of the right to hold a camera and um, the idea that you as a filmmaker from Rwanda based in the UK are only, I don't know, supposed to hold certain types of cameras and tell certain types of stories. That's a powerful statement uh, in, in the beginning of the film. Uh, could you elaborate on that? The, the um, Well, I'm no longer in, in the UK because uh, it has just gone so complicated to be in the UK right now, maybe visa-wise. Um, and um, the, uh, so this is my third feature-length film. Um, and uh, since my first film, I, I, I don't work with grants because uh, they come with a list of uh, like requirements and then the eligibility criteria of grants are just um, 
they they are fundamentally uh, uh, wrong to to who I am as a as a person uh, because they um, limit me. Uh, they, they limit my um, my my possibilities in ways that are absolutely un unacceptable. Uh, so all these um, all these grants uh, clearly state as a film has to be shot in Africa. The money that we're giving you from the north has to be spent in Africa on your film. Uh, but that's the money for production because money for post-production, most of the time you have to spend it in Europe and you have to get a European company to uh, apply on your behalf, spend it on your behalf. So it's that kind of uh, infantilizing um, uh, like model where you're told where you have to walk. As in, I cannot bring Africa with me to India. I cannot bring Africa with me to Australia. While a Dutch filmmaker can perfectly make a Dutch film in Argentina, they can make a Dutch film in, uh, in, in, in China, in Japan, but I can't make a run in film in Romania. I can't make a run in film in Canada. So that's just, uh, yeah, it's like, why, why is that? And um, so that's why I opened the film like that. But it was also a, a bit of a, um, so there's nothing exaggerating, uh, no exaggeration yeah, it's, there. So it's, 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 it's very well documented, that's how it works. And then there's, um, um, there's also the, 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 this comment on the technical part, because sometimes you'll see um, uh, after all these years, uh, we still want technically perfect films. We don't want um, free films. We want them to be technically perfect. You'll, perf you'll see a film that, that is uh, technically flawless, but that is uh, uh, lacking in courage and in boldness and in, uh, in, in analysis and poetry. Just being there, just because it's techni technically flawless, it can have a career, can be um, uh, like placed in, uh, in, in good festivals. And yeah, so it was also a comment on that. I think that's a very important point that you're raising there um, about something being technically flawless, because I think that implicitly also addresses aesthetic standards that are, are being imposed by Western traditions. Mm. Um, but now, yeah, but sometimes uh, these technical flawless I'm talking about is, uh, I mean, the film is well exposed from uh, beginning to end. The uh, sound never cracks anywhere. It's, uh, because some, some of these films are super well funded. Sometimes even uh, kind of uh, um, like a bit uh, unnecessarily pricey. And then, um, and because you got um, a development grant, and then it opens uh, the post-production grant, which you can, which you cannot apply to because you didn't get the development grant. Sometimes those are the requirements, isn't it? You cannot apply for this finishing grant unless you had our development grant. And then, so sometimes you make so courage is not rewarded. And uh, like, yeah, when it comes to making films, courage is not like rewarded. And then, so sometimes you have these uh, uh, films that, I'm not saying that my film is technically imperfect by yeah, in any means, but, um, but, um, but you have these um, uh, films that are trying new things and they're trying, uh, we're trying new aesthetics, new uh, structures and new forms playing with the, um, with the format. Um, and and it, yeah, and you still have to fight um, distributors and programmers and then like hey, just watch the film and finish it because uh, yeah, don't 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 be fooled by the first seven minutes. So I don't know where I'm going with this. 
No, but I think that we, from here we can go a little bit into the, the, the different layers and maybe also the different textures of the film because a tree has fallen in a way looks like a fairly clean, traditionally shot uh, story yeah. about a love triangle or infidelity where you have um, Simon, and a man or an actor from Nigeria in London, um, finding himself engaged in, in this love relationship. But at the same time, this, for you, opens up other ways of, of portraying uh, the UK with the demonstrations, so you have a way to in include everything surrounding Brexit, but also questions around religion and very much about presence, because early on he's, he's also describing himself in a way as a ghost. So how are we going to deconstruct this? I mean, the, 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 the tree has fallen was obviously the first core of the film. How did you build these other layers around it and this idea of being present as a ghost in a city? So the... Um... I've, uh, in the past few years, I've been, um, I, because I grew up in a, in a rather religious kind of uh, like environment. And um, there's a, in my generation, I'm mid to late thirties, and um, there's a, we're talking a lot about um, these inherited religions from the Arabs or the Europeans. And um, um, so it's, I, I wanted to uh, look at, um, uh, I wanted to look at how uh, an African man who's in absolute distress in a European uh, country, I mean, how do they uh, deal with, uh, um, how, how do they find the solutions, uh, these uh, are Judeo-Christian solutions to very Western uh, like issues, they're very like issues that are, are created by Western democracies and Western policies. And then how do yeah how do those solutions become um, appropriate? And how do they help them? And if they don't help them, why? And then how do they go from uh, being um, alive to being ghosts? And then uh, which spaces would they haunt if ghosts exist? Which uh, like that's another long debate because I think um, I think ghosts are very interesting. We cannot leave, let ghosts to uh, ghosts are too serious to be left to uh, to the horror genre. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, and I wanted to see when when I wanted to ask myself a very hypothetical question um, when an African man dies in uh, in London, which spaces does he haunt and uh, which minds does he haunt? Because um, because uh, these are uh, these are serious questions that we uh, uh, we don't that we have left to certain genres and to certain um, uh, to, to certain um, like wacky thinkers and and I, I wanted to um, to link them to this sociopolitical context that uh, birthed the film A Tree Has Fallen. I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but that also means that you're not only talking about ghosts in the sense of ghosts of the diseased, uh, particularly or, or 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 necessarily, but also I'm talking ghosts, about administrative yeah. ghosts as well. Yeah. Um. Or or in relation to displacement. Yeah. Um. 
Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because without maybe spoiling the end completely of the film, mm. but of course that's going to be an, an, an important uh, strand of, the, of, the, of all the stories in the film. Um, well, well the, um, at some point when Brexit happened, I, um, I got really curious about some of the things that all of a sudden I was reading in The Guardian and, um, and some of the things that my liberal friends were talking about at dinner parties. And then I realized that there were all these policies uh, that were um, that were uh, quietly uh, uh, brought into uh, like the daily lives of uh, British of uh, um, of, of British of uh, um, of African origin of uh, from the West Indies. Uh, there were these there was this particular piece of legislation called uh, the Hostile Environment Policy, which is uh, uh, quite. Um, which is very un, not subtle, but yeah. So the whole program of the of this piece of uh, legislation is right there, hostile environment policies. Like how do we make the lives of uh, uh, some immigrants impossible so that they can live on their own? And uh, and then I realized that there were all these people who were um, who had yeah who had slid out of uh, um, like regular administrative life, regular like state bureaucracy to uh, uh, to non-administrative lives and people effectively became ghosts. People that you could um, that you could murder and then you'd be murdering a body, but you wouldn't be murdering somebody with a, like an administrative uh, like existence. And uh, there uh, and there are hundreds of thousands of them, like people living under the radar. And then, uh, and at some point, I was trying to understand. I mean, how do they resist the urges to be hyper visible, like everybody else in this era of social media? Of uh, kind of like, this is where I am. This is yeah. what I'm eating. Uh, this is what I just, I just checked in this cafe. Uh, like this is because uh, um, we we now live in an era where we just need to uh, uh, broadcast ourselves. So, I mean, how do these people? Um, like resist these urges. Uh, how do they? How do you live invisibly in uh, in the era of hypervisibility? And yeah, so I took it from there, and then I was just uh, like trying these new things. I mean, how do you resist the urge of uh, like uh, of being uh, in a play if you if you're an actor, and then a play means publicity, means traveling, maybe traveling to Dublin. If you're in the UK, you can travel to Dublin because uh, if you if you're living under the radar because you don't have passports, you don't have a bank account, you don't. Yeah, so it was it was all these things that trying to unpack. This is part of the story. Did you do a lot of research and did you find some answers to this? How how do people live with that or how do they manage? Yeah, yeah the yeah I did loads of research and uh, they they do a lot of. Um, they do a lot of jobs that um, that really push them like on the brink of insanity most of the time. Um, like some dance, some wash dishes for uh, like five pounds a day. Some uh, like perform sex um, favors. Sorry, some perform sex uh, sexual favors for uh, pay. Some. Um, this is, so there's a, yeah, there's a whole uh, uh, underground scene of people um, uh, trying to survive uh, uh, in in a, in, a, in a hostile environment. 
Well, it's also people that have been living in the in the UK for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking so about ten years. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not like the one year was. Some of them like ten years, like ten years of uh, like no way out, no way in. You in physically, but there's no. Uh, but you don't. You don't belong. You can't pose any legal act. You can't sign any like documents. You can't. Uh, you can even maybe enter a nightclub if you if you still uh, if you want to groove and then because they'll ask for uh, your ID and you don't have like it's just uh, it's a uh, it's a very alienating thing for uh, yeah for these uh, uh, very large um, community because it's a community it's a community it's not it's not like a hundred individuals yeah. it's a, you refer to two feature fiction films that are also kind of addressing these issues one is Stephen Frears. Dirty Pretty Things, mm. and the other is Nicholas Provost's uh, Invader. Mm. Um, why was it important for you to to make these two references in your film um, about the, the, that that are basically also dealing with this subject, but in another way? Well, um, Stephen Free is for um, obvious reasons because it's set in London, and then the clandestine lives of. Uh, of uh, uh, of immigrants with absolute no paper, no uh, like the people who just want to live a, uh, like a decent life, and uh, um, and because it's a film that I quite liked, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen it for uh, for a while. I, I, th I, I think yeah, I but it was the first it. film or the first mainstream film basically yeah. addressing this issue. I think yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then Nicholas Provost's Invader, which I think was uh, unfairly treated by some critics. Because I think that if that film had been made by an African director, people would be screaming genius. And then uh, I, um, so it was just a note to that film, but it, it's also because Invader has uh, uh, this African um, character who shows up like on the shore of Europe, like in a, like a nudist beach, and then who enters, and then who disrupts the lives of, uh, uh, of clean like Europeans, like liberals, and then who just brings this powerful body, like carrying his powerful body around Europe with uh, um, with the the uh, over sexualization that we can attach to to that body. And um, uh, because my character as well as as you saw is um, is uh, like it's this powerful like African man, like physically powerful, but who's uh, yeah who's um, who's ready to snap and. Um, and yeah, so I wanted to build a sort of a, like a, uh, like a bridge between those films. I hope that someday, um, like some curators will show them together. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, and then um, yeah, start a conversation around uh, um, the occupying of space and then the the, uh, the disruption of these uh, um, uh, of these characters that just sometimes enter our personal lives. Not just uh, like a country, but into like really the, the um, like the into the uh, the life of a couple and disrupt it and yeah. So is the title Europa based on a true story in a way also a reference to to the invader? Where as you're saying, this man really literally washes ashore um, uh, at the the coast of Europe, but also in a way as that film opens with a reference to this, the, this painting, uh, The Origin of the World, which mm -hmm. is kind of a double act of creation. So are you referring by calling the film specifically Europa and not Europe also to this idea of 
the, the ancient goddess of, of Europa, or is that a reference to that? The, 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 um, uh, when I was uh, shooting, a, a tree has fallen, uh, and then because there's a lot of dial dialogue that I left um, like in the editing room um, about uh, the character Bruce uh, talking about Europe being uh, just so submissive, and uh, and then there's something a bit eternal about uh, Europa, not just Europe. Europe sounds administrative. Sounds like something you just read on a like on a, on a like on a piece of uh, like like on paper. But but Europa has something like eternal, something. Uh, um, uh, something that goes from uh, uh, the Romans and and some something that that is still seductive, uh, and then but Europe just feels like a, like a shrinking um, uh, like a shrinking um, like power that like insecure and uh, and small and um, and and. and, and Certain about uh, about her future, so uh, yeah, so I wanted the film to be called Europa because uh, there's there's still something really seductive about Europe. There's still something that's bringing us back to Europe, and there's still something worth fighting for about about Europe. And I think like Europa make it make it sound uh, uh, yeah grand and um, yeah. So that that was uh, yeah that was why I didn't go for Europe. And, uh, well, let's hope that this this still seductive continent of Europa will find a, a moment to, to screen the two or the three films maybe actually together your film Europa based on a, on a true story and Nicholas Provost the invader and, and Stefan Frears's film I think that will make for, for a wonderful occasion maybe we should organize it anyway so that's that's a promise to the to the future Kivu yeah. thank you so much for for being here and, uh, uh, thank and you for talking about me. your film thank yeah. you Thank you for listening to this episode of the ITFA 2019 podcast. Please rate, review and subscribe to other episodes in the podcast app of your choice.